The KXAN News Podcast is sponsored by Shelf Genie. With a statewide audience watching, Governor Greg Abbott makes a vow to push for school choice. Some parents are hindered in being able to help their child succeed. That must change this year. The governor's plan to give parents more power and the mixed response it's receiving. A leaked conversation reveals a high-level Texas Education Agency employee talking about the cost of school choice. What public districts could lose if it happens. We'd like to see change. We'd like to help be agents of change. From a family's fight to make a difference after a loved one was abused, to leaders now looking at legislation. How it could help speed up change for nursing homes and assisted living facilities in Texas. Produced from the Capitol in Austin and airing statewide, this is the award-winning State of Texas. Hello and thank you for joining us. I'm Josh Hinkle. Governor Abbott officially laid out his list of emergency items for lawmakers to tackle this session. He gave his State of the State address Thursday night. Traditionally, the address happens in the Texas House chambers, but for the second time in as many sessions, the governor took the address away from the Capitol. He delivered the speech at Novion Magnetics. That's a cutting edge manufacturing facility in San Marcos. The governor touted the state's economy and called for continued investment in workforce skills programs to create a stronger pipeline for high paying jobs. The governor named seven emergency items in his address, cutting property taxes, ending COVID restrictions, school choice, school safety, bail reform, border security, and addressing what he calls the fentanyl crisis. The governor gave a full endorsement of school choice. He outlined a plan for state funding to empower parents to have more of a say in what their children learn. Abbott called it education freedom. Without that freedom, some parents are hindered in being able to help their child succeed. That must change this year. The The way to do that is with school choice through state-funded education savings accounts. We've seen them work in other states, and we've also seen them work right here in the state of Texas. I created education savings accounts for special needs students. It worked so well, a bipartisan supermajority passed it into law and are now seeking to increase funding for it. Now what we need to do, we want to expand that program to provide every parent with the ability to choose the best education option for their child. <laughs> to be perfectly clear, under this school choice program, all public schools will be fully funded for every student. This issue is so vital to the future of our state. I'm making education freedom an emergency item this session. 
You heard the governor mention education savings accounts. Those are a little different than traditional school vouchers. Traditional vouchers allow parents to use public funding to pay tuition at a private school. Education savings accounts also use public funds but have more flexibility. The money can go toward private school tuition but can also pay for other approved educational expenses like tutoring or online courses. Regardless of the plan, Democrats have vowed to fight any legislation that could take funding away from public schools. We have about $59 million in our combined checking and savings account. Uh, if the governor wants to talk about anything, he should talk about bringing more money to education. Then we have room to talk about diverse ideas of how we educate our kids. But if he's telling me that we're going to rob our public schools in order to, to come up with some new idea that he thinks will help him, you know, get elected to national office. Well, you know, if vouchers are his dream, well, then the Democratic caucus will be his nightmare. Plans for education savings accounts and vouchers have failed to pass the House in previous sessions, but this year could be different. Capitol correspondent Monica Madden asked House Speaker Dade Phelan about the outlook for school vouchers. Your public education committee, you appointed several uh, members who have been opposed to school vouchers in the past. Are school vouchers dead upon arrival in the House? No, no not at all. There's going to be a very meaningful discussion on school vouchers. If you ask 149 House members out there on the floor what, what school choice means to them, you're going to get 149 different uh, responses. It's going to come down to whether or not it has the votes in the Texas House. In the past, it has not. And the appointment of that committee was not reflective of that. There were members who, who were interested in, in having those discussions. This is a great in the Senate, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick has pledged to pass a school choice bill. He listed it among his top 10 priorities for the session. You heard the governor say that public schools would be fully funded under his school choice plan, but in new leaked audio, a high-ranking Texas Education Agency official can be heard admitting that school choice would likely decrease funding for the state's public schools. Investigator Kelly Wiley obtained the audio and tells us how education leaders are reacting. A leaked phone call between a parent and a deputy commissioner at the Texas Education Agency. In the call, Deputy Commissioner Steve Leshlow advocates for the school voucher program in Texas, while admitting it would likely financially hurt public school districts. Traditional public school districts are getting less money, but there are no like detrimental impacts on actual like student learning that are associated with that. Uh, that money, right? So school districts, what they have to do is just like be smart about, um, like if they lose students, be smart about how they allocate the resources. And like, um, right, like maybe that's one less fourth grade teacher. Officials with the Texas Education Agency have not said if Leshlow will face reprimand over the phone call, but said in part the deputy commissioner was referring to schools staffing strategically while preserving good student-teacher ratios, not staff layoffs, and said ultimately any decision related to the broader topic in question will be made by the legislature. In the call, Leshlow also asked the parent if he can give their contact information to Governor Abbott's speechwriter, the Association of Texas Professionals educators say they were shocked at the call. We continue to hear from pro-voucher uh, advocates is that voucher systems aren't going to hurt the public school system. Um, and yet, you heard this TEA official um, in trying to um, groom and recruit someone um, to speak on their behalf, um, candidly admitting 
that, in fact, a voucher program is going to likely defund public schools um, and that that's just a thing that public schools would have to deal with. Kelly Wiley, State of Texas. Lekalup, the man you heard in the phone call is the Deputy Commissioner of Governance for TEA. He's responsible for improving the overall system performance of local education agencies. We reached out to TEA and they sent us a statement. It said the agency supports students having access to high quality education and actively supports public schools systems. It seems like the right place where we want to trust somebody to take care of mom. A family's plea following an abuse investigation inside a Texas assisted living facility. Why more homes aren't penalized after. I believe that the conscience of this house floor will be reflected in how we support our elderly. Families with loved ones in nursing homes and assisted living facilities expect safety and care. But we found facility operators in Texas often face no penalty from state regulators when abuse happens under their roofs. Investigator Avery Travis explores why advocates are calling for more transparency and accountability, and at least one state lawmaker is calling it a top priority. This is a plant that came from my mom. It's not blooming right now, but it will. These little buds will open into a flower about that big around. She taught me how to, how to care for, for things and take care of them. But after Billy Mullen's mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease, he and his dad had to find help, people equipped to care for her. They decided to move her into an assisted living facility nearby. It seems like the right place where we want to trust somebody to take care of mom. It was hard on Billy's dad, so they installed a camera in her room for him to check on his wife. I'm so glad we did that because if we hadn't had that camera, there is no way that we would have known what happened to mom. She was hurt, you know, she was violated. The Mullins family wanted KXAN to watch but not show footage from a night in March last year when a staff member could be seen bringing her into her room, closing the door, and then, as it was later described in a police report, sexually assaulting her. I saw it the next day and was disgusted and horrified and furious. But I cannot even, I can't even think, I can't imagine what my dad was feeling when he saw that happen to his wife, when he was already uncomfortable with not being there to protect her. The family called police immediately, and the staffer was arrested and charged with a felony. The facility, which had hired and employed him at the time of the incident, was given no citations, according to inspection records from the state regulatory agency, the Health and Human Services Commission. That's because when surveyors came out two days later, the facility had addressed the issues, suspended the staffer, checked on Mullins every 15 minutes, and conducted safety surveys with the other residents. Surveyors with HHSC are tasked with citing nursing and assisted living facilities when they're out of compliance with state regulations. Everything from having functioning fire alarms to keeping safe food storage to preventing neglect and abuse. HHSC can fine a facility, suspend or revoke its license to operate, but not if the home has already taken steps to prevent or correct the violation, according to Texas Code, by the time a surveyor arrives. Our review of nearly four years of inspection data reveals thousands of cases where the state found evidence of abuse. But 
In more than 70% of those cases, facilities faced no citations. We understand things happen in nursing home facilities. We understand that mistakes happen. However, no slap on the wrist, nothing is unacceptable. Andrea Earle with AARP Texas says there are cases where the state can't and shouldn't hold facilities liable for a bad actor. Texas's job to draw a firm line when it comes to the safety of residents. It should never be on the family to have this burden of assuring safety. In a previous report on long-term care, HHSC explained the number of incidents and complaints about overall violations soared during the pandemic, on top of an already increasing workload for staff over the last decade. And while neglect and abuse violations do not rank among the most common citations, a spokesperson for the agency says it's concerned about every allegation brought forward. According to state intake forms, when investigating a potential violation, surveyors can check a facility's personnel files, background check records, previous abuse and neglect investigations, as well as conduct interviews with staff and residents. The facility where Mullins lived had performed all the required background checks, according to HHSC, meaning the home had complied with all the state's regulations for hiring. So we get the change we want initially because they fired this person, but the issue, the real issue is, did they change the way that they do business, right? Did they change the way that they hire people? Did they change the way they train people? Did they change the way they supervise people? That's what attorney JT Bora hears from families who ultimately decide to sue a long-term care facility in civil court over neglect or abuse. While stopping the immediate threat is a step in the right direction, he says many families worry there could be more hidden harm. We had a camera but a lot of the rooms in that place don't. And I don't know how many people he cared for that night, the night before, the week before, the month before. Other facilities he's been employed at, I don't know. Mullins wants a closer look at how facilities vet, train, and supervise employees, and accountability when they fail. We'd like to see change. We'd like to help be agents of change. Two statewide associations representing the skilled nursing and assisted living industries tell us these facilities take safety seriously. They say most have protocols to prevent abuse. The Assisted Living Association says various surveyors and health officials are, quote, in communities interviewing staff and talking to residents at both scheduled and unannounced visits as often as they want to be there. HHSC says these facilities are required by law to have systems to identify and respond to violations as they're discovered. When functioning properly, problems should be identified quickly and resolved efficiently, often before investigators or surveyors even arrive. HHSC says it prioritizes how it responds based on the severity but also the urgency of the allegations. For example, if they believe the threat is still active, surveyors would arrive within 24 hours of the state becoming aware. If the state suspects serious harm but the threat is not active, an inspection should happen on or before 14 days. And if it only suspects minimal harm, the time frame could be even longer, possibly surveyors' next scheduled visit. Our analysis found a link between how quickly surveyors arrive and the likelihood of a facility being cited. 70% of the highest priority cases resulted in a citation. For priority two, with serious harm but no active threat, it was fewer than 40%. Susan Mullen's case was categorized as priority two. 
Coming up, we'll explore the legislative push to address some of these issues at the Capitol, including one lawmaker who wants more focus on the rights of older, vulnerable Texans. This KXAN News Podcast is brought to you by Shelf Genie. I'm Rosie Newberry from KXAN Studio 512. Considering replacing your kitchen cabinets? Struggling to find or reach things? Go to ShelfGenie.com slash Austin. Shelf Genie designs custom pull-out shelves for your existing cabinets, adding convenience and value to the most used room in your home. Shelf Genie custom pull-out shelves, everything in reach. How could this possibly happen that you would take our loved one charge us a lot of money to take care of her and then not take care of her. The family of a woman at the center of a state sexual assault investigation is calling for more accountability for her caregivers. Her case highlights the potential for hidden harm in Texas nursing homes and assisted living facilities. Investigator Avery Travis discovered in most cases when the state finds evidence of abuse, the homes are never cited and rarely penalized or fined. She's back to tell us how advocates and lawmakers hope to address the quality of care for these vulnerable Texans this legislative session. When I go by their room, they're sitting in their chair looking out the window. Previously as the mayor of DeSoto and now as a state representative, Carl Sherman tries to spend time visiting senior Texans in their nursing homes and assisted living facilities. We've got to be willing to walk the halls of those nursing homes and go in and find out what is uh, their concern and how they're being treated. Do you think from what you've seen that Texas is doing the best it can to protect these people right now? I think we could do better, we could do more. Texas is a state where it is dangerous to be old. Despite safeguards like legally required background checks and state inspections of these facilities, patient safety advocate Ware Wendell believes the for-profit structure of so many Texas nursing homes and assisted living facilities can lead to cutting corners. You have to make danger unprofitable in this state. We need real enforcement, not slaps on the wrist, $1,000 here, $5,000 there, but meaningful penalties. KXAN reviewed logs of abuse allegations in Texas long-term care facilities over a nearly four-year period and found of the cases where the state found evidence of abuse, facility operators were only cited 30% of the time, often because facilities had addressed the problems by the time the state arrived to investigate. In cases where the home was cited, KXAN found even fewer instances where the operator had to pay a fine. So we've had a significant decline, and again, we were already behind. In a legislative hearing last year, industry leaders explained operators need more resources, not less. They described how expensive it is to provide quality care with the current state of Medicaid funding, especially as they try to compete for quality staff with other healthcare professions. It's a significantly large number of, of patients who are being served on a daily basis, 24 hours a day. Addressing the staffing crisis remains a legislative priority for many industry advocates again this year. But others argue any funding from the legislature should come with strings attached. Transparency when it comes to ownership, making sure the funds are going to better quality staffing, making sure funds are going to the direct care of residents rather than the pockets of the facility themselves. AARP Texas is also calling for more funding for the Health and Human Services Commission, which regulates these kinds of facilities. I think that we all have a fiduciary obligation to focus on the most vulnerable in our populations. And as a member of Appropriations, I intend to make sure that we do a better job at taking care and providing the resources that they need. 
For Representative Sherman, it goes beyond just long-term care facilities that are regulated by HHSC. He and other Dallas area lawmakers are talking about how to protect all older Texans, especially following a string of suspected murders in independent living communities in North Texas over the last few years. Several bills have been filed to address these populations, including one requiring background checks for staff in less regulated independent senior housing. As far as our investigation goes, lawmakers have already heard from HHSC about some of these issues. In a report published last year, the agency outlined increasing staff workload over the last decade and a soaring number of investigations during the pandemic. But the agency says staffing numbers have no impact on how they prioritize abuse investigations. Still in 2020, the agency did create a separate division to help assess monetary penalties for the facilities with the most serious compliance issues. The report says this did result in a more independent and objective decision making process about these penalties. For State of Texas, I'm Avery Travis. Thanks, Avery. Coming up, cancer funding in Texas gets a big boost. How the plan could pump up research projects all across the state. Cancer research in Texas is getting a big funding boost. The committee overseeing CPRIT, that's the Cancer Prevention and Research Institute of Texas, approved $90 million in new grants. The money will go toward 40 different projects at major research hubs across Texas, from Houston to El Paso and Dallas to the Rio Grande Valley. According to CPRIT, the Valley has the nation's highest cancer incidence and death rate. Some of the grants will be de dedicated to analyzing those health disparities and finding better treatment. How can we equitably, in, in, a, in a fair manner, distribute cancer care across the state of Texas? The $90 million for the grants comes from bonds that Texas voters first approved in 2007. Thank you again for joining us for State of Texas. I'm Josh Hinkle. We'll be back next week to bring you an in-depth look at Texas politics.